0: When the Roses Bloom Again by Lee McCusker Read by Sam Gabriel Based on the works of J.K. Rowling Chapter 15 Frequent Flights in Skies Above The two months of detention have been a rather dull experience. For two hours every evening, minus weekends, Harry and Charles were left to the whims of Apollyon Pringle, who, as Harry quickly discovered, was much less pleasant than Filch could ever hope to be, despite his best efforts. Often he would have them scrubbing toilets by hand, sometimes the stone floors around the castle. Regardless, the man was always in a foul mood and did not shy away from showing it. I don't hear scrubbing! The boys had not been put to task and left to carry out their work, Now, Mr. Pringle would watch over them, his arms crossed as he looked upon them with disdain. "'almost as though he wanted them to make a mistake "'or do something he did not approve of. "'He had a habit of opening and closing his fists, "'and Harry suspected he fantasized about punching them both, or worse. "'He didn't, though there was the same malice in his eyes "'that he had seen within Uncle Vernon's throughout his formative years. "'What a man like Pringle was doing in a castle full of children Harry knew not. "'Worse than their childminder, as Charles and Harry had taken to calling him, "'was the presence of McLaggan in the tower.' If he wasn't hobbling around the common room, leaning dramatically on a cane and groaning, he would shoot them smug grins when no one else was paying attention to him. He only stopped doing so when he realized that he wouldn't be able to play in the upcoming Quidditch matches if he was still injured. Oddly enough, he had made a miraculous recovery overnight, as had Blackburn, who had been swanning around in a sling, using the undoubtedly healed shoulder as an excuse to do nothing. Not that they garnered any sympathy from their housemates. When the other Gryffindors had discovered what they had done— The seventh years had all but become pariahs, with very few willing to associate with them. They hadn't exactly been the most popular of people, but with their actions they were now less so, whereas Harry and Charles had earned the respect of their peers and even the other houses for the most part. Neither would ever be considered friends of the Slytherins, but there had been no further unpleasantness from them, not even a comment uttered out of turn. Despite their differences and the animosity between them, the two Gryffindors had helped one of theirs in their moment of need, and that was enough to warrant a clean slate and even civility from some. Arcturus Black appreciated what they had done, his nods of acknowledgment whenever he came across Charles and Harry attesting to this. Still little within the castle had changed, other than the time the two Gryffindors spent on cleaning, and even Professor Knott had accommodated this on Harry's behalf. Instead of arriving at 6 p.m. and finishing at 8, he would arrive later, and they would work together until 10 p.m. That suited Harry well enough. He managed to keep on top of his homework and continue with his early morning sessions in the room of requirement. Much to his relief, however, the detentions had come to an end some weeks ago, and he had been able to return to his former routine. Even though his hours spent scrubbing toilets, floors, and cauldrons occasionally had been dreary work, what he and Charles had done for Doria felt no less worth it. You want there, Evans? The voice of Timberius broke into his thoughts. What you want? Harry asked. I can eat that sausage or just stare on it. Harry shook his head amusedly at the boy and slid it onto Tiberius's plate. "'Thanks,' Arden said gratefully, having bitten off half of it. "'Degenerate,' Poppy muttered, looking at Tiberius in disgust. "'What's Tippet doing?' The headmaster had stood and approached the podium. He held his hands up for silence, and many of the students looked at him in confusion. The only time they were addressed during dinner was during welcoming feasts, and if an important announcement needed to be made. "'You have my apologies for interrupting your meal,' but there are two things the sixth and seventh years must be informed of, he explained. Firstly, this Monday and Tuesday, Hogwarts will be holding a career day where representatives of the departments of the Ministry of Magic and many other organizations will set up stalls in this very room where students can gather more information about any prospective careers they are considering. As such, classes for both year groups are cancelled for those two days. Excited whispers sounded throughout the hall, though Harry suspected it was more due to lessons being cancelled rather than the opportunity they were being given. Secondly, Tippet continued calling over the din, for years, your operation lessons will begin next Saturday. To those wishing to take part, a sign-up sheet can be found on the notice board in your common rooms. The course is one guy and the lessons will take place in here starting at 11am. That is all. With his notices given, the headmaster retook his seat, and the students began talking amongst themselves once more. Operation, Agatha said excitedly. Harry, too, was looking forward to those lessons, the convenience of such a method of transport much more appealing than either the flu network or the night bus. "'How are you going to be operating?' Charles asked. Harry nodded enthusiastically. "'That'll be the most useful thing I've done in a while,' he replied. "'What about the career thing? Are you going?' "'I am,' Charles answered with a frown. "'I have no idea what I want to do, so hopefully I get some ideas there. "'Ogden? I'll have a look,' the boy said with a shrug. "'I suppose my father would want me to work at the distillery, though, "'and attend Wizengam at meetings,' he added with a grimace. "'Having unlimited access to whiskey and being a politician "'as a recipe for developing a drinking problem,' Poppy commented. "'Tiberius shook his head. "'I watched my uncle drink himself to death. "'You'll never see me touch the stuff,' he declared. "'I didn't know that,' Poppy replied apologetically. Ogden shrugged. "'It happened years ago. "'My father was more pissed off that he didn't like any of our products.' He killed himself drinking mead. If it wasn't so tragic, it'd be funny. Bloody hell, can we change the subject? Charles questioned. What about you, Minnie? Are you going to the courier stalls? The girl nodded sheepishly. I'll take a look, she replied, though did not comment any further on it. What do you think of pursuing when you finish, Harry? She asked suddenly. Harry had no idea, but having witnessed how those draped in red robes had conducted themselves whilst attempting to arrest Dumbledore, he was having second thoughts. He did not want to find himself beholden to the whims of an incompetent minister of magic. No, he would need to rethink that plan. I don't know. Maybe i will find something that appeals to me on Monday. Arcturus had received no word from his father since that fateful letter from the man had arrived shortly after the Christmas break. This wasn't an unusual occurrence, but with what the head of his family intended to do, the silence was not welcome. As expected, neither Perseus nor Cassie had written either, and hadn't since they had left Grimaud Place almost five years ago. As far as Arcturus was concerned, they were no longer family. They had thrown their lot in with Grindelwald, and cared only for the interests of the man and their own selfish ambitions. If they had had any care left for the family, they would not have allowed their father to be dragged into the impending mess. He released a deep sigh as he watched, Doria scratching away with her quill on the other side of the common room. Ever since she had been set upon by the Gryffindors, she seldom left his sight, and did not venture to the library any more. Arcturus would get them. He would wait until they least expected any reprisals, but he would exact his vengeance upon them. Even though Potter and Evans had done so already, the Black hair was not content. Day in and day out, when he looked upon his nervous sister, he was reminded of what they had tried to do to her, and it made his blood boil. He never showed Doria that— she was a kind soul that would have him leave it be, but he couldn't. He would have his pound of flesh from each of the Gryffindors before they left the castle. "'What are you thinking about?' Doria asked, catching him staring. "'Father,' he lied. Doria's expression morphed into one of apprehension. She hadn't said as much, but she was as worried as he was. She needn't be, though. He would not allow anything to happen to her, and if it cost him his life to keep her safe, then so be it. He had made that promise over the grave of his mother, and he would not break it. To him, his little sister was his world, and he would bring any to their knees that dared threaten her. "'Don't let it anger you, Turnus. You're already a better man than he will ever be.' The words warmed him, and he gave the girl a genuine smile. "'You keep telling yourself that when you find someone you want to marry,' he quipped. "'You'll struggle to find anyone I deem worthy.' Although it was said in jest, he meant it. There was none he could think of that would be worthy of Doria.' She was as beautiful as she was pure, and he would not allow just anyone to have her hand, though their father may have something to say about it. Arcturus shook his head. He would not allow her to be married off to just anyone, and certainly not someone of their father's choosing. I know, Doria agreed, blushing slightly, causing Arcturus to narrow his eyes at her. He didn't point out her reaction, that conversation not one he was ready for. Evidently, someone had caught his sister's eye— and he felt the instinct to protect her stir within him, but he ignored it. Marriage for Doria was so far on the horizon that a little crush she may have was not worth dwelling on, not when so many things were already occupying his mind. The great hall had been transformed. The house tables had been moved to the side and stacked on top of one another, and the house banners had been replaced by logos of the companies and ministry departments that were in attendance. Bloody hell, you'd think these places are desperate for workers, Charles muttered. They probably are. Tiberius replied with a shrug. There were a lot less muggle born wizards here in the last seventeen years since that muggle war ended. Lost generation or something. Charles looked at the boy incredulously. Despite his penchant for landing himself in trouble with his words, Tiberius was quite the historian. My father had to up the wages of the workers to get them to stay, Arcton added. Everyone needs workers at the moment. Charles nodded appreciatively at the knowledge. So, where do we start? he asked. I'm not working for the ministry, Harry said firmly. "'You got something against them, Evans?' Augusta asked. "'A group of people who are at the whim of a minister who could be useless doesn't appeal to me.' "'My great uncle Hector is a great minister,' Augusta defended. "'But he won't be in office forever,' Harry pointed out, remembering all too well the caliber of man that had had the post during his own time. "'True,' the girl conceded. "'Then who will you work for?' "'Myself, hopefully,' Harry answered, remembering the money he had steadily coming in from the sale of the basilisk venom." "'And you have a money-making scheme up your sleeve?' "'Charlis asked with a grin. "'Not exactly,' Harry admitted. that's why I'm here, to see if there's anything I can do.' "'Fair enough,' Charles chuckled as the group began working their way around the stalls. "'What about being a hippogriff farmer?' Ogden asked, "'pointing towards a stall where a large man was stood, dressed in stained overalls. "'Harry shook his head. "'I don't want a job where someone can smell me from a mile away.' "'Is that what that is?' Charles questioned, wrinkling his nose." "'I thought that was Tiberius. Up yours,' the boy replied indignantly. The others laughed, but Harry's attention had been caught by a wizard wearing a muggle suit. "'What's a hit-wizard?' he asked. "'You don't want anything to do with that, Harry,' Charles replied severely. "'Hit-wizards are the ones who hunt for wanted criminals. "'The ones that the orders don't have time to look for or are too dangerous to risk. "'The gold is good, but with reason. "'The life of a hit-wizard isn't usually a long one.' "'Harry hummed thoughtfully.' the description Charles had given failing to deter him. If anything, it sounded rather appealing. How many wizards out there could be as dangerous as Voldemort? He shook his head, wondering where that trail of thoughts had come from. Did he secretly crave something dangerous? Ever since he had ridden his first broom, he had found he enjoyed the risk it presented, but this was something else. But why did he find himself approaching the stall? "'Are you interested in a career as a hit wizard, young man?' he asked. "'Maybe,' Harry answered with a shrug. "'What do I have to do to become one?' "'It's not easy,' the man sighed. "'You'll first need to obtain a license, "'and the type of license you carry "'will depend on where you can pursue wanted criminals. "'A standard license requires a written exam "'and three practical ones "'where you demonstrate your capability "'to apprehend hostile targets.' "'Harry nodded. "'What about the other licenses?' "'Well, the others are a little more difficult to obtain, "'but it'll allow you to seek work in almost any country,' "'the man explained.' This will require a series of assessments, both theoretical and practical, and a list of other skills you can find in this leaflet. Harry accepted the rather thick wad of parchment. If you'd like to see the world and have more options for work, the second is your best bet, but it isn't easy. Not many stay in the job long, and it's dangerous. Your best bet is to attach yourself to an established group and share the gold. You'll make less, but there's more of a chance you'll survive. You want to think long and hard about it, but if you decide it's what you want to do... "'You can start playing six months before you turn seventeen. "'Thank you,' Harry replied, having glanced over what would be required of him. "'The process was long, but neither option was unreachable. "'No worries, lad. Stay safe.' Harry nodded gratefully as he walked back towards the rest of the Gryffindors that had kept their distance from the stall. "'You're not seriously considering it?' Charles asked disbelievingly. "'Why not?' Charles released a deep breath. "'Harry, that's a job for people who don't have any other choice. You do.' You could be an order or work any job you'd like in the ministry. But that's not who I am, he sighed. It's different for me. You all have families waiting at home for you, careers that you've been working towards for years, he added, looking towards Poppy. Let's face it, most of you come from wealth and don't ever have to work unless you choose to. That's not my life. I will have to work, and this would probably be something that I'd be good at, he finished with a chuckle. Charles offered him a sad smile. I know, he agreed. But you still have a lot of people that care for you. Mum and Dad would have a fit if they knew you were considering this. Harry he returns Charles a sad smile. They're your mum and dad, Charles, not mine. He wasn't looking for pity, but for understanding. He couldn't imagine a life where he would spend his working day in a stuffy office or working for the ministry in any capacity. As a hit wizard, he would work for himself and could make a difference in the world. Anyway, that's not something I have to worry about right now. I have another year of school to think about what I want to do. Charles nodded and dropped the subject, though the rest of the group didn't seem happy to do so. Once more, only a little subdued and less enthusiastic, they began making their way around "'the stalls. But Harry saw nothing else that appealed, much of the hall having been taken up "'by representatives of the Ministry. "'What's that?' Ogden asked, pointing to a small stall "'tucked away near the entrance. "'Oh, that's an investor,' Charles replied. "'That's about as risky as being a hit wizard.' "'An investor?' Harry asked.' Someone who invests in people's business ideas, hoping they become rich from them and they can receive some of the profits in return, Augusta explained. My father dabbled in it but made nothing. Like Charlie said, it's very risky and rarely pays off. Harry nodded thoughtfully. He had a distinct advantage over most, knowing what business names to look out for from his own time. How does it work? Well, sometimes people will put an advert in the finance section of the daily profit, Augusta informed him. They will give a brief explanation of their proposal and how much investment they need. If you want to fund the venture, you send the person an owl and arrange a meeting to discuss it further. Harry smirked internally as he grabbed the morning's edition of the newspaper one of the ministry workers had brought with them, and flipped to the indicated section before scanning the page. There were two companies he recognized the name of—Dr. Filibuster's No-Heat Wet Start Fireworks and Druble's Best Blowing Gum. Two exceedingly popular products. Harry felt himself filled with a sense of entitlement— "'If he were to invest in these businesses, "'he could make much more than the twenty and forty-five galleons "'the creators were asking for, respectively.' "'You're not thinking about investing, are you?' "'Poppy asked.' "'Of course he is,' Charles huffed. "'He has a death wish, but he wants to lose all his money 1st "'I won't lose anything,' Harry assured the boy, "'already taking up some parchment, a quill, and some ink, his mind made up. "'Harry, these things never work out,' Augusta broke in. "'Trust me, my father learned the hard way.' "'I appreciate the concern, I do.' Harry replied, but this will work. With his notes written, he took his leave of the Great Hall and headed towards the Owlery. Are you sure about this? Minerva had followed him, and she hurried to catch him up. Both of these companies were huge where I came from, he whispered to the girl whose eyes widened in realization. You know these businesses, Harry nodded. The fireworks are good and the are even better, he replied. They'll both make me a lot of money. That's brilliant, the girl said excitedly. I didn't even think of anything like this. Neither did I until now, Harry admitted. Is it wrong? Minerva frowned before shaking her head. No. If these companies are going to be successful, what's the harm in you sharing in it? If it's not you, it'll be some already bloated, bald, pureblood who will invest and just add to their wealth. Why not use it to your advantage? Harry grinned, having expected the girl to give him a lecture on the moral implications of what he was going to do. Then I'll do it, he declared as he entered the gallery. Theseus! The magnificent owl swooped down from where he had been resting, and Harry marveled at the uncanny resemblance between his new companion and Hedwig. Theseus was slightly bigger and he had some darker markings around his eyes, but other than that, they were almost the same. A sense of sadness washed over Harry whenever he visited the bird, but treated Theseus the same way he had Hedwig, and he was always greeted warmly. Could you take both of these, boy? Theseus barked almost irritably. And Harry scratched the feathers on his chest the way the owl liked it before sending him on his way. Now what, Minerva asked. Now I wait, I suppose, he replied, leaving the owlery. What about you? You haven't mentioned once what you plan on doing. Minerva shook her head. It's a silly idea, she sighed. It won't happen until I'm a very old woman. What won't? Minerva paused and looked at him. Her expression one of vulnerability. I want to stay here, Harry, she explained. I want to be at Hogwarts and teach transfiguration. And why won't that happen? Harry asked. Professor Dumbledore won't ever leave the post, and he's not old, she pointed out. I won't get to take over for years. You don't know that? Harry countered, the urge to tell her to follow her dreams almost becoming too much. Trust me, I'm sure it'll work out for you, if it's what you want. Minerva eyed him suspiciously. You know something? she accused. Harry shook his head. Honestly— I don't know anything for certain anymore, but if you want to be a transfiguration professor at Hogwarts, then you shouldn't give up on it. Minerva hummed, her glare boring into him for a moment before it softened. I sometimes forget about what happened to you, she sighed. And then you say things that remind me you know what's coming in the future? I don't, Harry assured her. With me here, some things will be different, but it doesn't all have to be. Do you want to do, and it might just work out for you? It did before. With the end of the school year looming, Armando already found much of his time taken up with arranging the upcoming Allen Newt examinations and the end-of-year assessments for the other years. Along with this, there was still the menial day-to-day work that required his attention, and as such, he had little time to gather his thoughts, let alone think of much else beyond his duties. However, there was one pressing matter that he needed to discuss with one of his students, and that was just what Harry intended to do for the summer months when the castle would be almost empty. He had not spoken with the boy much recently— nonsense he'd had to discipline him and Charles Potter for their actions against their fellow housemates. That had not been a pleasant exchange of words, and Armando was under no illusion that either of the boys felt any remorse for what they'd done. Truth be told, he found it hard to have any sympathy for their fellow Gryffindors that had accosted Doria Black. Four seventh-years attacking a quiet but brilliant fifth-year girl, he shook his head. He could understand why Potter and Harry had reacted the way they had, but he had to be seen to be doing something about it. As much as McLagan and his cohorts had deserved what had happened, he could not allow the transgression of the boys to go unpunished. Surely Harry understood that. McLagan and Blackburn could have been seriously injured, and though they had claimed to have been, they were not. Both had milked the situation down to the very last drop, reaping very little from their malingering ways. Still, some good had come of it. The re-emerging rivalry between Gryffindors and Slytherins had been nipped in the bud before it could escalate. So in that way, at least, it was better that Harry and Charles had been the ones to come to the aid of Miss Black. Armando did not want to consider the fallout if they hadn't have done. "'Come in, Harry,' he called as a knock at the door sounded. The boy entered, and the headmaster moved the stack of parchment he had been working his way through to the side. It could wait until after he had spoken to the teen. "'You want to see me, Professor?' His tone was polite, and it appeared that Harry did not harbor any ill will towards him for the punishment he had received. "'I do.' he confirmed. "'Please, take a seat.' He did so and waited for Amanda to speak. "'I merely wish to discuss what plans you have made for the summer.' Harry frowned. "'I hadn't really thought of that,' he sighed. "'No matter,' Amanda replied with a smile. "'I was under the impression that you would wish to remain here. Unless you have made other arrangements, of course.' "'No, I haven't,' Harry explained. "'I'd like to stay here, if that's not a problem.' "'You're more than welcome.' "'I'm sure there is much that can occupy your time,' Harry nodded. "'There's always things for me to work on. Without lessons, I'll have all the time I'd like to do that.' "'Then it is settled,' Amanda declared. pleased the boy would be remaining. "'Of course, I'm at your disposal should you need me, "'though I do not believe you will require the tutoring sessions we held last year. "'You have proven yourself a capable student. "'Professor Nott is most impressed with your progress.' "'She has been working me hard,' Harry chuckled. "'That I do not doubt. Between you and me—' "'Rosalina has high expectations of her students, and you in particular. "'She believes that you have considerable potential.' "'I still can't beat her in a duel,' Harry pointed out. "'And I would be most surprised if you could,' Amanda returned. "'Rosalina not as an exceptional witch when it comes to the art of dueling, "'and there are very few that I would put galleons on to beat her. "'Professor Dumbledore and perhaps myself on a good day, but not many others.' "'Harry nodded his understanding. "'What would you suggest I do to win?' "'He asked with a smirk. "'Armando shook his head amusedly. "'You wouldn't be trying to seize an advantage, would you, Harry?' "'I am,' Harry answered unashamedly, "'eliciting a chuckle from the headmaster. "'Well, albeit for me to involve myself in your education, "'I would suggest doing something that would take her by surprise, "'something that she would not expect from you. "'You must remember, Harry, "'that Rosalind is the one teaching you "'and pays attention to everything that you do. "'Break the mold she is putting you in, "'and you may just succeed.' "'That's not bad advice,' Harry replied. "'I do have my moments,' Amanda declared. "'Now, if there is nothing else—' "'It was as though the sun set on Harry's expression "'as it changed from one of benevolence to something much darker, "'his eyes narrowed and his posture having stiffened. "'There is one thing that I must discuss with you. "'Judging by your demeanour, I can assume it is something rather troubling.' "'The boy nodded. "'The man who murdered my parents will be coming to Hogwarts soon?' I don't know if it is this year or next, but he is coming. That is troublesome, Amanda sighed. You have no idea, Headmaster, Harry said severely. He's dangerous, and will become something you cannot even comprehend. Considering that he created Horcruxes, Harry, I can take a guess, Amanda replied. What is his name? I have the list of students we are expecting to attend their first year, starting in September. Tom Riddle. Amanda frowned as he consulted the parchment and shook his head. "'No. He is not due to begin this year, and I am relieved for it. Even though he is just a boy, I cannot fathom how you would cope with him within these walls.' "'I wouldn't. One day I will kill him for what he has done to me. And there is nothing that will stop that, but I will not become him. I will not murder a child, no matter how deserving it is.' Amanda felt the truth in Harry's words, the disdain he felt understandable— and he could find no fault in him. Then you're already a better person than he could ever hope to be, he replied sadly. I've been tempted, and still am, Harry admitted. I've thought about how easy it would be to find him and put an end to him before he can purchase his want. I dream about it sometimes. I will keep a very close eye on him, Armando assured him. Harry nodded as he stood, although it won't be enough to stop him becoming what he will. I've taken steps already, and will do what else I can, but I cannot stress just how dangerous this boy will be. When I say that he has ruined many lives and changed visiting Britain for the worst, I am not doing so lightly. He is a monster in every sense of the word, and prophecy or not, he and I will meet, and I will kill him. I will watch him, the headmaster promised. Harry nodded once more before leaving the office, and Armando could not help but think there was much more the boy wanted to tell him, but for his own reasons he hadn't. He may not have said as much, but Harry had plans for what he would do, and why wouldn't he? This man had killed his parents some fifteen years ago. It was only natural that he would have pondered what he would do with him, and Dippet felt a chill fill his veins. Harry was not an evil boy, but he was vengeful, and Armando did not wish to even consider what he would be capable of in only a few short years. He had the potential to be an excellent wizard, yet he could also be dangerous to those he deemed to be an enemy. Still, despite the duty of care he would have towards the boy that would grow into the monster that murdered Harry's parents. Armando felt the same way as he did for what had happened to McLagan and his ilk. There was no sympathy to be found, and even if there was, he had promised Harry that he would not stand in his way when it came to the choices he made. After all, as he himself had said, there was only one person Harry would need to answer to, and that was himself. It was the following Saturday morning that Harry found himself stood in a circle that had been marked on the floor of the Great Hall with his fellow sixth-years that had also opted to take the apparition lessons. In all, it appeared that everyone in the year had signed up for them, and the instructor, a tall, willowy man, and a few professors that had volunteered to assist him had their hands full. "'Remember the three Ds, and you'll be fine,' the Ministry Representative reiterated for the umpteenth time. "'On my command, you will attempt to apparate from the hoop you are standing within to the one directly opposite.' Harry braced himself, remembering the sensation evaporating under the guidance of Nicholas, the familiarity of the magic washing over him. Go! Focusing on that familiarity, he turned purposefully on the spot, picturing himself landing in the appointed circle. The crack that sounded was almost deafening, but not as much as the silence that met him when the room came back into view. The eyes of the students, the professors, and instructor were on him, the latter nodding, impressed. Harry looked down to find that he had landed where he'd intended as though he had done this a thousand times before. A part of him had, though he shook his head at those thoughts. Well done, young man, the instructor praised. It is not often apparition is achieved on the first attempt. Now, let us all try again, shall we? Of course you did it first time, Charles snorted as Harry passed him. Harry offered him a grin whilst he took his place in the circle once more and repeated the feat. Well, you seem to have the basics down, the instructor acknowledged as he approached, so we can safely say that it wasn't a fluke. As long as you're careful, I don't see why you can't try operating to different parts of the room. And to do try to dampen the crack. It is considered rude to arrive anywhere so noisily. Yeah, your crack is too loud, Argton commented, looking rather proud of himself for his quip. You might want to watch out, Tiberius, or I might arrange for Poppy to have a look at yours. The boy paled, and Poppy grimaced at the thought. I think Alton would need a zoologist to look at his. I don't deal with animals, the girl commented. Tiberius simply shook his head, and Harry set back to work. For the next hour or so, he operated around the great hall, working on quieting the noise he made. He couldn't be certain, but by the time the session was ended, he felt that the noise had been lessened with how much more confident he grew. How are you feeling, Ogden? Charles asked as they left the great hall. My toe is numb, the boy huffed. He had managed to apparate, but had left one of his digits behind. Well, you did it. That's more than I can say for me. I did, Ogden acknowledged, his expression brightening. Aren't you mad that you didn't? Charles shook his head. "'Apparation is not the easiest thing to do. "'Other than you and Eddie. no one else got there today. "'That's why it's done over several weeks. "'It takes time to master it. "'Anyway, it's nice today. "'Shall we spend some of it outside?' "'A pickup game of Quidditch,' Tiberius suggested. "'Charlis nodded. "'I could do with a fly, Minnie?' "'Why are you even asking her?' "'Poppy huffed. "'Well, what about you?' Charles returned. "'Poppy shrugged. "'I'll play, Augusta.' I can ask Frank if his lot want to come, she replied. We can't play with only six of us. Sounds good, Charles agreed. Go and get to we and we'll meet you on the pitch. Augusta nodded and left to do so. And Evans there can play sick for us, Ogden chimed in. Since he is such an expert, he added with a smirk. Harry shrugged indifferently. It had been so long since he had flown on a broom, let alone played Quidditch, and it was a nice day for it. Are you sure about this? Minerva whispered. I'll be fine, Harry assured her. I just need a broom. Minerva looked at him uncertainly, and Charles led him toward the broom shed. The potter heir watched him carefully as Harry inspected what was on offer and finally settled on one that seemingly didn't even have a name but felt good in his hands. Quidditch can be quite rough, Charles commented. Are you ready for this? Harry nodded, realizing that he hadn't spoken much about the sport with any here other than Minerva and the others during games. His fellow Gryffindors didn't even know if he could fly. ''Come on, then. I'm sure Poppy will piece you back together if needed,'' he chuckled. ''Oh, bugger.'' Harry frowned in confusion until he caught sight of the Hufflepuff Seeker amongst Frank's group. ''Come on, you can't expect Harry to go up against him,'' Ogden protested. ''You've got McGonagall and Potter,'' Frank pointed out. ''We only have one team member here.'' ''It's fine,'' Harry interjected as he and Trowis approached. ''I'll be fine.'' ''See, Evers doesn't care for now,'' Frank pointed out. ''So we have six on six. We can play with one Peter each.'' and just use a single bludger. That works, Chow said thoughtfully. Warm up first? Well, Ogden's toe is numb, so he'll probably need it. Frank snorted as he joined his teammates. All right, so me, and Augusta, will chase. Tiberius, you can play Beta, And Poppy can play keeper. Nothing gets past her. Ogden finished with a winning smile. Poppy huffed but was cut off by Charles before she could exact some retribution upon the boy. Come on, let's get up there, then. For the first time in over a year... Harry took to the sky, and though it wasn't the familiar feeling of his firebolt rocketing him towards the clouds, this was no less exhilarating. He'd missed flying, and he hadn't realized how much until he found himself in the air. Are you okay? Minerva called to him, watching him closely. He nodded and began flying around the pitch at a sedate pace, getting a feel for how the broom handled, how responsive it was, and eventually how quickly it could go. The maneuverability was better than he'd expected, and the speed rather disappointing, but anything would be compared to his former broom. Just do your best to catch the snitch, Charles encouraged. A part of Harry felt as though he was being patronized, an irrational thought with how well he had come to know Charles, but it ignited that competitive streak within him. He would never say such a thing aloud, but he had never met anyone that could outfly him on a broom. Victor Crumb, perhaps, but no other. He took up his position, determined to prove himself, and waited for one of the Hufflepuffs that would be spectating to release the balls. As always, the snitch was first, followed soon by the bludgers and the quaffle the first having vanished from sight long before the chasers began their scramble for the last. Harry left them to it as he circled above the pitch, whilst the Hufflepuff Seeker showed no urgency to mark him, something he would learn to be a mistake if Harry were to spot the snitch before him. The Gryffindor had the advantage of having seen his opponent play, and though he was a competent flyer, he was not particularly skilled as a Seeker, and that would make all the difference when it mattered. With the established chemistry between Minerva and Charles, the Hufflepuff struggled to mount any kind of offense, and spent most of the game assisting their keeper with defending the hoops. The seeker, however, paid no attention to the plight of his teammates as he suddenly tore after an unseen golden ball, and Harry felt his stomach sink briefly before he realized that he was being baited. Instead of chasing the Hufflepuff as the boy expected, he raced in the opposite direction, gaining altitude as he did so. "'You sure you want to be this high up, Evans?' the Hufflepuff called, having abandoned his attempt to lure Harry into a trap. His words were ignored as Harry glanced at the pitch far below— the adrenaline of what he was about to do pumping through his veins. He dived. Almost vertically, he plummeted towards the ground, his eyes watering from the wind rushing by him. He could feel the other chaser following, and he readied himself, aware that the broom he was mounting was not his firebolt. Nonetheless, he committed himself to his maneuver, several screams sounding in the distance as he pulled out of the dive, breathing a sigh of relief as the broom stopped in time. His opponent had pulled out sooner, but not soon enough and the Hufflepuff thudded into the dirt, eliciting a gasp from the students that had gathered to watch the impromptu match. He would be fine, perhaps a little bruised and tender for a few days, but Harry had seen worse. Had the boy shown the same commitment as him, he may have broken a bone or two. There had been no indication that he had done so, and he pushed himself to his feet, his legs wobbling. Harry took that as his cue to search for the snitch, and by the time he had spotted it, the Hufflepuff was back on his broom and trailing him, though not as closely as he had, his lesson having been learned. It wasn't until the boy had noticed that Harry was chasing the snitch that he dared come any closer, and he closed the distance between them, his broom evidently faster than the one Harry was using. Still, Harry was not Blackburn, and did not attempt to match the Hufflepuff in brute strength. Instead, he invited the aggressive approach, allowed his opponent to attempt to unseat him or knock him off course. He braced himself against the first and second blow of the shoulder as it was rammed into his own. And on the third, he rolled smoothly under his broom, kicking the bottom of his opponent's as he passed above him and turned the boy's own tactic against him. With the Hufflepuff having to right himself and Harry remaining upside down, the Gryffindor did what he could in that moment, knowing that his time to make the catch was limited. Had he taken the time to situate himself atop his broom, he would have missed the opportunity to do so, his opponent swearing in his ear as Harry's hand closed over the snitch, and he held it aloft triumphantly. By the time he had managed to shuffle himself so that he was mounting his broom, His teammates had landed and were walking towards him, shaking their heads. "'What the bloody hell was that, Evans?' Tiberius demanded. "'You could have killed yourself!' Both Charles and Minerva were in shock, and Poppy flicked him on the earlobe. "'You know, I would wondered if you were insane. Now I know for sure you are. I nearly had a heart attack.' Harry merely grinned at the girl, unfazed by her shock. He had done much more dangerous things on a broom. "'Why didn't you tell us you could play?' Charles questioned. "'No one ever asked,' Harry replied with a shrug. "'If truth be told, he hadn't thought much about Quidditch, "'his mind having been occupied "'with everything else happening around him. "'He had missed the sport, had missed being on his broom, "'but it was no longer a priority. "'Well, you've attracted quite a bit of attention,' "'Tiberius pointed out, "'nodding towards the stands that were not full, "'but had more than enough students in them "'that his performance would be the talk of the school. "'Come on, I before people start asking you "'for your autograph.' "'Harry grimaced at the thoughts and followed his housemates "'as they left the pitch. "'You play Quidditch?' Minerva stated seemingly having recovered from her shock since first year he confirmed first year I was the youngest seeker in a century apparently harry clarified minerva shook her head what kind of idiot lets an 11-year-old play on the house team harry laughed heartily and minerva looked at him pointedly only the best kind he answered cryptically unbelievable that couldn't happen now times change Harry returned morosely. How they changed, indeed. Are you okay? Minerva asked worriedly. Harry nodded. I'm just sometimes reminded of things, he explained. I haven't played Quidditch since before everything changed, as it did. There's just a lot of memories. Good ones. And bad, Harry snorted, his mind shifting towards the little elf that had tried to save his life and the Azkaban guards that had once invaded the pitch. Anyway, it's not worth focusing on it too much. It's been almost a year already. It has, Minerva acknowledged. But that doesn't mean you can't think about things and miss them. I know, but dwelling on it won't do me much good, Harry sighed. I'm here now and this is my life, just on my year of Hogwarts. At least here it's easier. The castle's still the same. Will you be here for the summer? Minerva asked. Harry nodded. I will be. Then it'll be just the two of us again, Minerva replied with a smile. "'No more McLagan, or the Slytherins?' "'There is that,' Harry mused aloud. "'I suppose it could be worse. Are you saying my company is poor?' "'No. "'It'll be quite nice to have an empty tower to ourselves again, "'even if there is an excess amount of cat hair in the furniture "'when neither of us own a cat.' "'Renover blushed. "'I don't even know how to begin explaining.' "'You don't have to,' Harry chuckled. "'I'm sure whatever you're working on with Dumbledore will happen soon enough, "'but if I find any hair on my stuff, you'll be in trouble, cat or not.' Minerva looked at him in surprise for a moment before smiling. I can't make any promises. You'll just have to get used to it. Harry hummed as Minerva looked at him challengingly before they both laughed. He'd always dreaded the summer months since he had come to Hogwarts, but this year he had a feeling that it wouldn't be so bad. End of chapter 15 For this and other stories by the same author, visit LemaCusker.com, as well as the fanfiction.net page of The Black's Resurgence, music by Dr. James Benigoff and Sam Gabriel. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.